Hello, Stonebridge. Welcome to the Stonebridge Extras podcast. I am Pastor John, and the Stonebridge Extras podcast is our time to do a deeper dive into some sort of topic that we couldn't address in the sermon, some sort of rabbit trail that we just couldn't chase down. And today, I'm going to be taking us down actually a, a path that probably doesn't seem to connect to the sermon at all this week. I promise you, though, that at some point here, it will. So I decided that the last few weeks had felt a little controversial to me, that we'd been getting into some difficult areas here and there. So I thought I wanted to do an easy topic for this week. So this week, we're going to focus on the doctrine of election. You know, that really, really basic, simple doctrine that says that God chooses us, we don't choose God. And that has led some Christians to proclaim that people are selected by God for eternal damnation and hell. Obviously, I'm kidding when I say that this is a non-controversial topic. Um, In fact, I think the other weeks we haven't really dealt with anything controversial. But this issue of the doctrine of election, this is something that Christians have debated, have argued over, have divided over, have shamed each other over. And I think it's rather unfortunate the way people have talked about the doctrine of election. But first, as we dive into this topic, and again, I promise you, this will address uh, what we talked about in the sermon, at least tangentially or on a parallel track, it will address that. But as we're talking about the doctrine of election, what exactly is the doctrine of election for those of you who aren't entirely familiar with this? The doctrine of election is a belief that certain theologians in the history of the church have derived from the Bible. And what this doctrine teaches is that God chooses people for salvation. People don't choose God. So instead of the idea of I accepted Jesus into my heart. That's not really language that would fit too well with the doctrine of election. Because in this understanding of faith, it's not that we accept Jesus. It's that Jesus through the Holy Spirit unlocks our ability to accept Jesus. So it's really Jesus's choice and it's God's choice. And some who have proclaimed the doctrine of election or taught it, they have said that God chose this from the very beginning of time. That that before creation was even a thought, God had decided who was going to be created and who was going to be saved. I guess creation would have to have been a thought at that point. You understand what I'm saying, though. That the very beginning of time, when God said that we're going to create these things called humans, that God selected some to be saved and some to not be saved. To either spend eternity in hell or to be damned for eternity, or to be annihilated or destroyed. So that's essentially the doctrine of election. And there's variances within it. There's nuances within that. Where it gets really, really complicated and controversial is with the idea of what's been called double predestination. Because some Christians have said that Some Christians who proclaim the doctrine of election have said, God only does this in a positive sense, that God only selects people to be saved and that God isn't actually selecting people to be damned, but that is their decision that they do that God just doesn't intervene on. But then there's other Christians who say, no, this choice was entirely in God's hands and they emphasize God's sovereignty 
um, to a, a fairly, and I don't mean this pejoratively, it's, I think it's just accurate, to a fairly extreme extent, they emphasize God's sovereignty and say that every decision has to be rooted in God for salvation. One of the biggest names associated with the doctrine of election and with double predestination is the theologian John Calvin. I mentioned him last week, and I have to say that while I do not consider myself these days a Calvinist, that's not a term I would use for my own theological understanding, um, I really like John Calvin. I, I have a preference for John Calvin. I don't agree with everything he said. I also think that if I were to take a weekend trip with John Calvin, I would probably be miserable by around Saturday morning. He doesn't seem to be the most pleasant person to have been around. But I really like some of his teachings on God, and I love that Calvin pushes us to really trust in God's sovereignty. So I, I would say that I am reformed. I would not say I'm a Calvinist, but I do have a leaning towards Calvin. And Calvin is one of those who helped develop the, the idea of double predestination. There's some debate about how much he developed this idea, but it's definitely there in his some of his writings. This is a difficult idea when you really stop to think about it, though. This idea that God has chosen some to be saved and some to be sent to hell or to be damned. It's a very controversial idea. It raises all sorts of ethical questions. It raises all sorts of questions about how responsible can human beings be then if they have no choice in these matters. It raises all sorts of philosophical questions. And I will say that there are a lot of pieces with the idea of the doctrine of election that I personally am uncomfortable with. But my goal for this podcast today is to present the doctrine of election in a way that I think resolves some of this tension. And I don't expect to convince those of you who don't believe in the doctrine of election um, or those of you who are uncomfortable with the doctrine of election. I don't expect to convince you here. This is more of a podcast of me offering up some ideas and trying to put some boundaries around this idea so that it can be helpful for us in our proclamation and not something that divides us. So let me just state very clearly that, that personally, I am uncomfortable with the idea of double predestination. Not so much because of the conclusion that God would decide the fate of humans. I, I trust God's character enough that if that's what God decides, I, I trust that it is ethical. I trust that God as the ultimate good, is the one who determines what is ethical, ethical, what is not, and that my human sensibilities and my failed understanding and my incomplete knowledge, I don't get to hold God to those standards. So it's not necessarily because of the conclusion or I'm afraid of the idea of, of hell or I'm, I'm afraid of the idea that God would do this. Like I said, I trust God's character, and if I don't understand something, God will figure it out. The reason that I'm uncomfortable with the idea of double predestination, and again, double predestination is that idea, that belief that God picks certain people to go to hell. The reason I'm uncomfortable with that is because I just don't think there is enough evidence in scripture to warrant that conclusion. When we look at the actual Bible, we don't get that formulation. We get passages that are interpreted to mean that, but when you really look at it in its original context and in the ancient languages, 
there's a lot more possibilities for interpretation and translation than those who cite passages, let's say in Romans chapter 9. Um, there's more interpretation there than those who cite them to support double predestination have allowed and let on. When I read this evidence in scripture, I see a, a varied picture when it comes to the idea of predestination in general and to election. I see a God who desperately wants all of humanity to be saved. I also see a God who is all powerful, but what I don't see is a dispassionate God. I don't see a God who sits back and makes abstract choices with for no reason or makes arbitrary decisions. I see a God who passionately loves the world, who passionately interacts with the nation of Israel, who becomes human in the form of Jesus and suffers and dies. I see a sovereign God who sets aside a lot of power in order to go to the cross in the person of Jesus Christ. A God who's willing to embrace self-limitations so that people can be saved. So, I just don't think there is enough for us to say either way, whether or not it's God's decision or ours about who uh, embraces Jesus and is saved. I just don't think the Bible gives us a clear enough picture. So when we get into those questions of double predestination or not, I just don't know if we should even be going down that route. This, though, is where I think that the passage that we focused on this week in worship can help guide this conversation. Where I think that we as Christians start to get in trouble with the doctrine of election is when we start focusing on other people's salvation. When we start focusing on who is in and who is out. The way to use this in, in theological language is that we start to figure out who is elect and who is reprobate. Elect are those who have been chosen by God. The reprobate are those who have not been chosen by God. When we start trying to figure that out in its specifics and we start putting certain classes of people in one category and certain class of people in another category, we have stepped out of bounds and we have forgotten what Jesus says to Peter in John chapter 21 verses 20 through 23. When Peter is worried about the beloved disciple and starts saying to Jesus, what about him? What about him? And Jesus starts talking about if he doesn't want the beloved disciple to die, Jesus says to Peter, don't worry about him. You follow me. And in the face of the doctrine of election, I think that that is some of the best advice that can help us wrap our minds around this. The point of the doctrine of election is not for us to sit down and figure out who's in what category. The point of this doctrine is to instill gratitude in us to help us understand that God has gone to great lengths to save us. And if you have faith in Jesus, if you trust in Jesus for your salvation, you can rejoice in the fact that Jesus has chosen you, that Jesus has selected you. And let whatever's happening with other people in their salvation, let that be in God's hands, in Jesus's hands. Recognizing that being chosen by Jesus does not mean that you are better than anybody else because we don't know who else God has chosen. We don't know what God is doing in somebody else's life. We don't know how God makes these decisions. We just follow Jesus. And when you break the doctrine of election down to that form, get it to a kind of a simple understanding of 
in, in response to this, we don't start worrying about other people. We don't start trying to figure out who's in what category. We just are faithful and obedient to Jesus. I think that helps clarify a number of things for us. It doesn't give us a really clear answer on how this idea of election works. It doesn't really clarify that, but it helps us know what we actually need to know, which is that God loves us, that God cares about us, and that God loves this world and loves the people in it and is trying to save them. So instead of us trying to figure out who has been saved and who hasn't been saved, our job is to proclaim the message of salvation as much as we can to anyone we can. And I think when we embrace election in this way, it simplifies our message to people where we can say to them, God loves you. Jesus went to the cross for you. And we believe Jesus has chosen you. So embrace that. That is your identity. Accept that and follow Jesus. It simplifies that when we stop worrying about what God is doing with other people's salvation and instead just point them to Jesus and proclaim Jesus' love for them. So I thought that this was, you know, as I was thinking about all this, and I've thought about this for years, I thought that this was a really novel idea that I had come across something new. Um, And that's just never the case, honestly, with any sort of theology these days. It's very rare that there's something worthwhile that's new. Um, People have been thinking about this for a long time. You can usually find somebody else who has had the thought um, probably a little better than you have. And that was the case here for me. Our church, the Presbyterian tradition, it falls in the Reformed tradition. It's very influenced by John Calvin, but it's not just John Calvin. And that's one of the reasons why I usually say that I'm Reformed. I don't say I'm Calvinist because I don't follow one individual. There's a series of what's called confessions that Presbyterians rely on to help us understand our theology. And they're written by all sorts of different people. Most of them are written by groups of people. And one of these is called the Second Helvetic Confession. And I won't get into the details of the history of it. I think it's very interesting. I also think it's a beautiful document that is very helpful in a number of ways. And one of those is with this idea of election. And the Second Helvetic Confession, it says this. On the question of whether few are elect. And when the Lord was asked whether there were few that should be saved, he does not answer and tell them that few or many should be saved or damned. But rather, he exhorts every human to strive to enter by the narrow door. As if he should say, It is not for you curiously to inquire about these matters, but rather to endeavor that you may enter into heaven by the straight way. I think that summarizes it really well. And I think it's the same kind of message that you see in John 21 there between Peter and the beloved disciple. It really isn't ours to just speculate about who is in and who is out, about how many people are saved, how many aren't saved. That is all up to God. Our job is to follow Jesus ourselves. Our job is to proclaim the love that God has for this world that is expressed through Jesus to as many people as we come across. And our job is to be grateful for the fact that for those of us who have faith in Jesus, we can rest in the fact that God did choose us, that God has selected us not to be better than anybody else, but has selected us to be part of God's mission to love this world, to save this world, and to restore this world. 
Every time somebody is chosen in the Bible, they are chosen to be a blessing to the world, to help in the plan of salvation that God is enacting. And that is true for every single one of us who follow Jesus. So the doctrine of election, it's important. I don't want to just throw it out. But I also don't want to step outside of what Scripture says and extrapolate and speculate too much. This doctrine is here to help us be grateful for the fact that Jesus has chosen us, that God has saved us, and that God is saving the world, and that as the elect, we get to be part of that. That's really why we're chosen. So I'm going to invite you, if you have thoughts on this one, send me some emails. My email is John. It's my name is J-O-N, not J-O-H-N, J-O-N. So Pastor John at StonebridgeSeeMe.com. Um, send some emails. Let me know your thoughts on election. Let me know if this is a topic you've wrestled with. Let me know things that you didn't think were clear in this podcast. And let's begin a dialogue. God bless you all. And I look forward to hearing from you.